family and, uh, and, and so, so very, very much. But we're going to start by talking about the heart of God. What is the heart of God? It dovetails perfectly into the experience that I myself had at the Passion Conference in Atlanta. For there was one truth that really, really penetrated my heart. I believe that it was a truth that I have heard before, that I believe to be true, but I have never taken it and made it a part of who I am so that it impacted my lifestyle. It, it dictated my behavior. It, it's a truth that when I internalize it, when I make it a part of who I am, it has the power to dictate how I behave. And that truth is this. Maybe you've heard it before that God doesn't exist for us. We exist for him. I would ask you to take some time and consider exactly what that means in your own life. That my purpose, when you boil it down, when you get right down to the bottom line of it, my purpose in everything that I do is to bring glory to God. Because he doesn't exist for me, I exist for him. Now, I want you to know that I am not lost on all that God does for me. That it, it, is, it is because of God that I am forgiven. It's because of God that I have eternal life. It's because of God that I have peace and that I can experience joy. It's because of God that I'm set free from bondages. And I could go on and on and on and on about the value of God in my life and what God does for me in my life. But it's important to understand that he does all of that, saves me, sets me free, forgives me. He does all of that so that I can bring him glory. That what he does in my life, he does so that through my life, he receives glory and honor and praise. And that's the heart of God to receive glory and honor and praise. And we're going to talk about that in depth next week. And it's a, it's a life-changing truth. And I hope that you'll come and be a part of that. I experienced that, again, this past week in passion. We, we looked at verses like this. This is from Isaiah 48. It's verse 11. God says, for my own sake, and then he repeats that, for my own sake. God says, for my own sake, for my own sake, I will act. My name cannot be profaned, and my glory I will not give to another. In Isaiah 26, verse 8, the prophet's writing, and he says, Lord, 
We are walking in the way of your laws. We wait for you because your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. That the heart of God's people is that God's name would be exalted. That God's name would be lifted up. That the person of God would be glorified. That's God's heart. And man's heart should align with that. I want you to hear from some of the young adults that went to the Passion Conference. As a matter of fact, I tell you that I would be negligent in not allowing you to hear from some of these young people. So I'm going to ask Luke and Lisa and Ken and Caitlin Y'all would all come to the platform, just all come on up at the same time. Four very, very special young adults, all with a different experience uh, at the conference. And as you listen to their testimony, not just for your own edification, but I would ask you to listen to them with a sense in your heart, a prayer in your heart. God, how do you want to use this in my life? How do you want to use their experience to teach and to change me? So Luke, I'm going to ask you if you would come first. Luke Parker. Um, I... uh, my name is Luke, and uh, I don't really talk like that. <laughs> um, I was born with, uh, dis- with Asperger's Syndrome. And for those who don't know what that is, that's a spectrum of autism. And one of the things that it causes me to do is that I can, at times, be socially awkward. And like not pick up on social cues or customs. And uh, I can also come off strong to people, like, to the point where, like, I just want to be nice to them, and they're like, oh, get away from me. You're creepy, you know? <laughs> um, that was, like, when I was younger. Uh, the worst part of it all, though, is that I may have not have that much good foresight, but I have really good hindsight. So I'm like, ooh, I shouldn't have done that. And I would feel so much shame and like guilt from all these things. Uh, where am I? <laughs> Sorry, I should have bullet point this thing. <laughs> okay, so I began to loathe myself for this though, you know. I thought that God was ashamed of me, you know. Um, and he couldn't possibly use me greatly, right? You know, who can't use me so in a great ways because, you know, I just have this disability over here. Well, and I knew he had knowledge that God loved me no matter what, but also thought that God loved me more, or God loved others more than me, excuse me. Um, and that I had to earn God's favor and love. Uh, a lot of this was instilled by my uh, f- earthly father. You see, my earthly father was a youth pastor at a church, and he wouldn't let me into the youth group until I was like in the seventh grade because my misbehavior and 
uh, like out with the Asperger's, like I'd distract and other st um, students. And I just remember the day he finally let me in, he was saying, you know, you're behaving better. You know, um, you got your Asperger's under control. I can finally let you into the youth group. As it, he said this as if he was ashamed of me, you know? And I felt ashamed so much that I wanted to die. Uh, but, <clears throat> so with all this, you know, fast forward several years, okay? We got, um, I went to Passion and Bantu. Can I get a shout out from Bantu people? <laughs> all right. So, um, <laughs> okay. So, uh, um, I went to Passion and uh, Catherine Wolf spoke. You see, Catherine Wolf, she had a stroke that left her with, uh, to be paralyzed mostly throughout her body, almost like as if she had cerebral palsy, just to put it in perspective for you guys. Um, she was the brightest speaker at the conference. She um, had so much joy, and like, when she had any, every reason to like, be bitter and angry, she wasn't. She was like speaking, she had the biggest smile and she was just speaking with so much joy. And she talked about the joy she had for suffering for Jesus and how it grew her stronger and closer to God. That God had used her despite her defects. If God could use her greatly, possibly he could use me, right? That shook me. I cried. Then Francis Chan spoke and spoke of how God views us as our inheritance, meaning he loves us and cherishes us more than anyone possibly could ever cherish us, more than anybody's capable of cherishing us and loving us beyond our finite mind. And he also spoke of how God's thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. To me, God was speaking through Francis Chan, you know, that God can, will, and has been using me in great ways. That even though someone might view me as socially awkward at times, it doesn't matter because God still uses me and loves me and what they think isn't true. I cried again. <laughs> Finally, Lily Giglio spoke. He spoke about how, he, how we are in prisons and how God has set us free from them that we no longer need to live in shame, guilt, and victim mentality. Or I don't think that's even a word, but I'm going to go with it. <laughs> um, I cried once more. It's like, it's like we are a caged bird, and God opened up the cage. All we need to do is step out in faith and fly to freedom. And that's what I got from passion. I've only known Luke for uh, just this year, and uh, it's been a joy to uh, get to know him better and watch him grow. Lisa, I, I want you to come share. Lisa's dear to my heart. Um, 
I was kind of hanging around when Lisa came to know the Lord as Savior. Uh, Sarah Nett, my dear, dear friend here in our church, had an uh, instrumental part in, in um, introducing Lisa to the Lord. And to watch you grow in this past year has just been absolutely incredible. And to share the passion experience with you as well. So I want you to share with our church family. Good morning, church. Um, I want to thank you again for allowing me and the group to go to Passion, but as he said, um, I've been in Avalon for about a year, and I don't think maybe a, a lot of you maybe don't know me, but I wanted to thank all of you because I love Avalon Church, and yeah, I'm not going to cry. Um, so yeah, Passion was amazing, and even though we are called every Sunday and in your daily lives to worship the Lord and rejoice in the Lord, what I experienced that weekend I had never experienced before. And it was a type of worship that moved my heart and moved everyone, mostly because it wasn't just me. You know, we were part of a, the body of Christ together. And you know it's good when you can't even sing and you're crying because you feel like he's there. And... Um, I did feel like he was there. And I am done with school. Um, I'm 25. And the reason why I say that is because um, I had a vision of what my life was going to be at this point in my life. And whether or not you're in that journey to starting your career or finishing up college, you're going to have plans of what you want your life to look like. And if not, you may be a parent or a grandparent to someone who you're designing the future for. And life hasn't happened like I planned it. And I'm sure that happens to a lot of people. And sometimes we think it only happens to adults. We don't think it happens to young adults. Um, but in that time, that's when I was brought into Avalon. And I met this wonderful group of purple shirt people. And, um, and they knew I was in a lot of pain. And I also met a lot of spiritual leaders here who knew that I was broken at the time that I came in. So last year, I was not a member of the Passion Conference. Um, I was invited multiple times, and I said no. And this year, I didn't want to miss it. Um, and I felt ready to go this year to Passion. And what I wasn't ready for was for the Lord to speak to me the way he did in the Passion Conference. And the one that really... Uh, impressed me was John Piper's service, which if you have heard John Piper speak before, he has that effect on you when he talks about his interpretation of scripture. But his, his uh, speech was about the essence of evil and how important it is to know what the essence of evil is and what the difference between the essence of evil is and the springs of evil. And the reason why it is important is because if we don't hate it, we will never, we will limit God's power to our own thoughts. And we will also diminish the sacrifice that Jesus did for us. And I know we all come here, and that was very shameful for me to think whenever he spoke, because I think I love Jesus, right? And we all, we all love him, but we don't see the essence of this evil that we carry on our everyday life. And pretty much they just summarizing two things, which is, we have lost a taste for God, and we have lost a desire to have God in our lives. And it really impacted me because I've spent so much of my time thinking, um, 
why have so many things not happened for me when I know I'm following the Lord? And even having those thoughts is already replacing the desire. Because I don't know that there's a lot of people here that instead of helping someone build their career, help someone to increase their desire for God. And I know we all change the behavior, and it's natural because we love God and we love Jesus. Um, but sometimes we get stuck in the behavior and in the commandments that we think we should follow. And something that he said was that as long as we continue seeing following the commandments as good and not following the commandments as evil, we will always miss the essence of evil. And it's, of course, important to find delightment when we do these commands, but it's also important um, to understand that he has called us to fight a bigger battle because we are just fighting a battle of deeds when we're just following the commandments. So I love passion, and I think next year, if anyone is interested, you should go. But most of it, I think you need to work on the condition of your heart because your heart might be ready, but your state of mind might not. And it took me to get out of Orlando, to go to Atlanta, to take off from work, to hear him speak. And don't wait until that happens for you to hear him. Thank you. Caitlin, you ready? I just got to meet. Uh, Caitlin's a new friend of mine. Uh, just meeting her on this trip. She's also a new sister in Christ. Hi, everyone. Haven't talked in front of a big group, so bear with me. Um, so I've grown up in a Christian home my entire life. I was baptized when I was eight, but I never really understood past, oh, yeah, God and Jesus, you know, they're up there, they're real. You know, Jesus died for my sins, and that's about as far as my eight-year-old brain went. So then throughout the years, I stayed involved in the church. My parents made sure of that. I even went on some mission trips and different, to different conferences. But I didn't really have that, like, personal connection and private life. I only had my public life as a Christian. I didn't have that personal connection with Jesus. I didn't really pray that often, never really read my Bible, just thought going to going to church Sunday and Wednesday was enough. Obviously, it's not. So then around 11th grade, 11th, 12th grade year, I started dropping out. I didn't really go to church that much. I had even less of a relationship with God and Jesus, and I could definitely tell I was slowly becoming depressed. And um, I just recently moved here to Orlando, and when I came to Orlando, I fell into a deep depression. It took everything out of me just to get out of bed. I was like, why am I even living? I'm a waste of space. I've totally just let down God. I'm not following him. I'm making my own decisions. I'm not, he, at that point, he wasn't even a part of my life. He wasn't a part of any decision making. I was going to do what I wanted to do. And then I had a friend who invited me to Avalon. And I thank God that he put that friend into my life. And then... About a month after that, he invited me to Passion. And I was like, oh, I don't know. It's last minute. I don't, I don't really have the money. But I was like, you know what? I, I'm just going to see. And um, God made a way for me to get the money, and I was able to go to Passion. And I had no idea that Passion would change my, change my life as much as it, is, it did. 
when I went to Bastion the, the first night, I was like, okay, this is really cool, but like it didn't really do that much for me. The, the second day, I had never felt God like that before in my life. And throughout the day, I could hear that small, subtle voice. He was speaking to me, and he was saying, come home. Like, I want you. So then, so then one of the speakers, he asked everyone to stand up that wanted to accept Jesus, and I did because I knew I'd never fully accepted him. I kept him at arm's length. I said, I'm going to believe in you, but I'm going to do what I want to do. So then I accepted Jesus, and I'm follow, I want to follow him completely now. And he needs to be a part of every decision I make. And now I'm no longer depressed. I came back, and I don't think I've been this happy in my entire life. <laughs> and I'm, I'm able to wake up in the morning. I'm looking forward to reading my Bible throughout the day. I'll just say little prayers. You know, if I'm feeling down, I just, like, pray for someone else. Um, stories will come to my mind from the Bible just to help me or just a little, little thought in my head. And I never knew that I could actually feel happy. And I was a shell of a person before then, and now I'm happy. And I'm never going back to my life before. Thank you, Caitlin. Uh, I met Ken on this trip as well. And um, so now, again, I not only have a new friend, I have a new brother in Christ. And Ken, I want you to know what a great impact you have had on my life as I have watched you just these few short days. For you have confirmed, again, that God's word is true that God is real, that God has the power to change a life, and I have seen an incredible, incredible transformation in your life, and I want to thank you for that and ask you to share with our people. Thank you. <clears throat> All right, this, this, is, this is kind of long, so I'm just, and everything's here, so I'm just going to get to it. <clears throat> um, I grew up in a Catholic family, going to a Catholic church, without ever really understanding what it was about, except that I believed in God. I remember being about three or four years old and praying to God and talking to him as if he was actually there with me, like an imaginary friend who never left my side, except he was real. I didn't understand Catholicism, but I fully felt that God was there for me. And now, except for being here at Avalon, it's been about 10 years since I last went to church, that I last believed in God. There were events in my life that led me to lose him, my faith in him, my faith. <clears throat> and I felt like he had left me alone, that he had allowed this pain I felt and had turned his back on me. And I was angry, and I would curse at him, and I would point the finger at him, and even screamed towards the sky at the top of my lungs in resentment and hatred for him. I blamed him for leaving me alone and attempted prayers unanswered. <clears throat> and eventually I lost all belief in him altogether. <clears throat> um, 
For the last 10 years, I extensively studied many religions, beliefs, and faiths in search of an answer, taking bits and pieces of everything I studied with me to help me survive my thoughts and doubts, all while collecting arguments against Catholicism and even Christianity. And I was good at it, too. And I was good at it because I always carried that anger with me, as many atheists do. I did things, thought things, said things, and even planned things that brought a lot of pain and regret and shame into my life. And eventually I learned to live with it, every day by my side, as real as the God I once believed to feel as a child. And now that God didn't exist, neither did heaven or hell, so neither did everlasting life. And because of this, I came to fear death. And because I believe death to be like a dreamless sleep of non-existence, and I know now that it was lack of faith that caused me to fear, and more so lack of faith that was the cause of the pain I had to endure. It was about a year ago that another set of events in my life struck me hard and made my life even more difficult to live. For those of you that don't know, I'm from Union City, California, which is very close to San Francisco. By this time a year ago, I was extremely established there. I graduated from a big high school where I was very popular. I taught over 200 students, grades 2nd through 12th. I could never go out without seeing at least two or three people that knew me. Most of my family lived in the city, as did many of my friends. But because of the second wave of misfortune in my life, that I secretly believed to be a culmination of God's resentment towards me in action, I felt I had to leave this all behind. My family, my friends, my students, and the life I was so certain to have laid out for me. And because of a decent job and good friends, I was able to move here to Orlando at the beginning of last summer. I was able to leave an old life behind and start anew. It was at work where I let where I met Lauren Kalibau and her family, who funded my trip to Passion, by the way, <laughs> um, and through her, who are all, well, who are all faithful Christians. Um, it was through them and time with them and their words that led me to attending the 2017 Passion Conference. Um, and in complete honesty, um, I only attended church and went to this conference in efforts to show Lauren and her family how much I was trying. I never had any intent on following the light of God or believing. In fact, I didn't want to. Um, but out of reluctance and determination to prove something to them, I attended. And although there were many speakers and great songs and great words, it was not the speakers and performers at Passion that led me back to my faith in God, but the people of Avalon Church that were there with me. It was through hearing the story of Julio Quinones to Philip Hahn that I felt compelled to open up to Julio about my story. I felt they were so similar. I admired his honesty and openness as well as vulnerability. And it was through telling Julio my story that I learned about the story of the prodigal son and how his father welcomed him back into his arms with love <clears throat> and adornment without any hesitation after having abused the life his father gave him. This was so important to me because, for one, I never thought the Bible, of all things, would have a passage so specific and personal to my own story, and another because for the last few months, I began every prayer I shared with asking God for forgiveness 
and apologizing for all the wrongs in my life. And when I prayed for others, I prayed harder because I thought I knew that I deserved nothing and they deserved everything. But with each prayer again and again and again, I began with saying, God, I know what I have said to you and done against you, and I am the most undeserving of your attention, but please, for these people who faithfully follow you, hear me now. Every prayer began with a reminder of shame, claimed by love, but filled with guilt. It was through sharing my story with Julio and Philip and even Nick and Josh over those three days at Passion that I found my faith in God again, that I finally understood what it meant to be forgiven. Through passages and advice they gave me, I was able to learn how to reestablish my faith in him by waking up every day and praying to God even before I sit up and praying to him in all aspects of my life throughout the day that I finally live with excitement and faith, with love through forgiveness knowing that all the events in my life were led by him to bring me here now. And now I just pray that I can fully offer myself to him every day of this life with the life that he gave me after 10 years of being lost and even 10 years of his silence, I know my faith cannot be lost again. Folks, God is real, and God is here right now, and God has power to change lives, and um, for some reason, that's a truth that so many of us keep at an arm's length, and we think that we have to live with some of the bondages that we have in our life, and the reality is, is that we don't, that God is real, and that God is here, and that God has the power to free us. It's, um, it was an incredible experience for me to spend three days with these young adults. I think one of the challenges that Philip and Joanna had in um, helping me to plan our service this morning was that every one of them wanted to share a testimony. And they had to choose just a few. But I know that God is real because of what I've seen him do in the lives of these young people. I also want to mention to you uh, Rod and Chris Choi and uh, their leadership with this group, and they're loved by this group. I, I thank these four people for their leadership. Um, one thing is absolutely certain, the only reason, the only reason, the only reason that they are involved in this group is because they love them and they want to see them grow in their relationship with the Lord, and that is so very, very evident to me. I thank God for what he's done in this group of young people. I have, um, I've been to a hundred conferences or retreats or camps or seminars, or I've, I've, I've been going to them for years and years and decades and decades. And I sense such a difference in what the experience was uh, in this conference. I told these young people Friday night, um, a story, I, I, uh, I went to a great church. I grew up in a great, great church. And when I was a teenager, it was a church probably about the size of Avalon Church, you know, seven. 
800 people that went to the church. One summer as a high school student, part of the high school choir, we went on a, um, a choir tour, we called it, where we would go and we would sing in churches at night. We'd, you know, travel across the southeastern United States, sing in churches, and during the day we'd sightsee and stuff. And long story short, it was on that trip that we had a revival among those 50 high school students that were on that trip. And it was a very, very real thing. It was a life-changing thing. And it changed the way that we acted and people could see it in us. It changed the way that we sang. It changed the way that we ministered through song as a, as a choir. Before we left on that trip, we, we had a little mini concert for our church. And then when we got back, we had another little mini concert on that church. And the people in our church saw this incredible difference in our lives. I don't know it was that we sang better. I, I think that it was that they saw that we were different people. And it became very, very contagious in that church. And I believe with all of my heart, as I look back on all of those years, that that was the catalyst that made the difference in that church, which became one of the great, great churches in America today. This Sunday, today, they'll probably have 12, 14, 15,000 people that'll worship in that church. And I believe, I really do believe that it started when a young, small group of people had their lives changed by a God who is real. And that's my prayer for us, that this is a spark and that it can ignite and turn into a wildfire. that instead of sitting and listening to testimonies and seeing the difference in their lives and thinking to yourself, wow, that's great for them. I'm happy for them. It's more of a, I want that. I want to experience that. I'm not so naive to know that this room is not full of people who think to themselves, I know there's more. I know there's more. Well, there is. And it takes repentance. It takes giving it all to him. I call you to that today. You know, I'm not responsible for where you're at in your spiritual life. I'm not. I'm responsible for telling you what God says through his word and calling you to repentance. That's what I do. That's my job. I call you to that today. I call you to a place of saying, God, I'm not going to run from you anymore. I'm going to run to you. I don't have to understand it all. I just know you're real. And I know I was created to bring you glory. I want to bring you glory. 
I want that to be my life. For many of you in this room, that's the decision you need to make. I, I, I want to change my life in such a way that it brings God glory. I, I want to bring God glory by the kind of husband I am and the kind of father I am and the kind of employee I am. And, and I want to bring God glory by the way I give and the way I love and the way I serve. And I, I want to bring God glory by the way I, I, I respond in difficult times and even in suffering and even in loss. I want my life. Maybe that's the decision today. I, I, I want to start in this moment saying, I want to give God glory through my life in everything that I do. Even in my thought life, I want him to receive honor and glory and praise. So I call you to a place of decision. What will you do with a God who is real and a God who is here and a God who stands before you with his arms open wide, calling you, he's calling you, to himself. I want to invite you to stand. We're just going to have a time of decision. I'm here to pray with you. If you would like, there are others here that will pray with you. If you would like, you can come and pray by yourself if you like. But please, indecision is decision. I'm calling you, I'm asking you to make a decision for God this morning. So, Lord Jesus, if you're here, move among your people. Reveal yourself. Draw us to you. Give us courage and boldness and humility to run to you. Change our lives for your glory is my prayer. Arthur, lead us if you would.